Good evening. It's good to see all of you out this evening. We're glad that you're here with us. As an interesting song choice, I heard a little bit of a sermon the other day on the radio and uh, talked about that song. Mr. Stone, you wouldn't believe it, probably, but Mr. Stone, in writing that great song about the church and its one foundation and, and uh, just talking about the, the different t things that are in that, the different lines, partakes one holy food and all of that, he was not a member of the church. Um, and so it was very interesting that he wrote a song like that because it's so truthful about the church and about how she is to stand. And it's, it's a very good one to preface our lesson for this evening. We're in our one word series and tonight's lesson is on elders. Brother Joe, whenever he did his scripture reading this morning, he made a, uh, a few comments about the elders and how appreciative we are of our elders. And it is something that I count as a great blessing for us as a congregation, um, especially considering how small we are, that we do have an eldership because it's so important that we have that established leadership. And so we're going to talk tonight about the elders, the importance of the elders in the church, and, and uh, certainly I, I hope that, that we do gain an appreciation, maybe more so than what we have, of our elders uh, I, I heard in a, a sermon in preparing for this lesson that if you want to shop an elder, go up and ask what you can do for the church, what you can do to help them. And uh, maybe that's the case. But I do think that we should be more appreciative of, of our elders. And, and Brother Kirk and Brother Hugh have great responsibility. And we do appreciate them for all that they do. I want to look at the terms that are used for elders as we begin uh, our lesson, the, the first one being elder. We most commonly refer to our elders as elders, although there are some other names that would fit them perfectly. Um, other names that describe their work and describe their importance, but each of them has something different within its meaning that helps us to understand the job of the elders. First of all, the term elder signifies an older member of the church. When we look at elders, most of them have gray hair. We see that they have, have been through many different experiences and that's what makes them good for the job. Now, we have to understand that all old men do not qualify for the eldership of a congregation. Just someone who is, just because a man is older in years doesn't mean that he is qualified for the work. He may have only been baptized a few months ago or a few years, but he may be a novice in the church. We'll look at that in the qualifications. But not all old men are qualified to serve as elders of the church, but men who have been associated with the church, have been members of the church for, for many years, they are qualified. And so we do understand that all elders should be older men. I, I guess the, the youngest elders that I've known of, maybe in their, their late 40s or so, and that's up to the congregation to decide. Uh, there's no set age requirement for elders, but uh, the other qualifications have to apply as well. 
So we do have to keep that in mind that all old men may not qualify to be elders, but all elders should be older men. And that's not to say anything mean about their age or anything like that. But as we look at some of the other terms that are used to describe the role of elder, we see pastor or shepherd. And one of the ways that you can tell if someone is a, a member of the Church of Christ or not, and may not be in all cases, but, but a lot of times people will call the, the preacher, the pastor of the church. And us preachers, we have uh, kind of a, an inside joke among us sometimes whenever we answer phone calls and things of that nature people will ask for the pastors maybe we have some kind of creative comment well you know they're not here but you can can reach them here or at this time but we understand that pastors are not necessarily the preachers of a congregation could be and that again is something that is determined by the congregation but the preacher is not the pastor of a congregation and I don't go by pastor. If someone calls me pastor, I may let it go a time or two. But after they do it uh, a few times, I'll, I'll talk to them and explain to them, you know, I'm not the pastor of the church. I'm not a reverend or anything like that because that's not my role. But the pastor of a church is the elders, the ones who, who shepherd the flock. And so we have that term pastor and shepherd. I had uh, one of the elders that I grew up with at Science Hill. I remember him telling us uh, of a time that he went to the hospital and, and he was going to go visit someone. And, and they asked, well, are you a family member or a pastor? And he said, well, yeah, I'm a pastor. And he was right. He was a pastor. Just not in the sense that, that they were talking about, maybe. But the role of a pastor or a shepherd, he is to shepherd the flock of God. Uh, the flock, uh, their respective congregation. That's their responsibility. And as a shepherd guides and cares for the flock, so is the responsibility of an elder. Now there are many great examples of shepherds throughout Scripture. And one of the greatest examples that we could look to, the greatest example, is God Himself. He refers to himself as shepherd. Notice some of the words of Ezekiel chapter 34 and beginning with verse 11. Ezekiel 34 and verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep. And deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture and their folds shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall, be, shall lie down in a good fold, and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost, and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken, and strengthen what was sick, 
but I will destroy the fat and, and the strong and feed them in judgment. In verse 29, I will raise up for them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles any more. Thus they shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. You are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. Jesus uses some similar wording in John chapter 10 to describe himself as a great shepherd as well. But we see a good example here of what a shepherd is to do. He is to guide the flock, to protect the flock. And so we have shepherds, we have elders that do that and do it very well. We have men that, that whenever someone is sick or hurting, and not just in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense, uh, they should know that and they, they go to them. They try to bring them back. They try to heal what is broken as much as they can. They have a great and awesome responsibility in shepherding the flock of God. We have one more term that is used to describe the role of elders, that of bishop. And bishop is one that's uh, a little harder to understand maybe because we hear it used in many different ways and the way that we hear it used most often in the world today doesn't really apply to the elders of the church. But God meant for elders to also be bishops which basically means overseers or guardians of the flock. They are to oversee the work of the church. They are to oversee what the church is doing and, and the different things, the different aspects of the church make sure that it's on the right track. And so elders are to serve the congregation as bishops, overseers, and guardians of the flock. Elders are aware of the needs of the congregation and make sure that these needs are met. And those are the, the, the basic terms that are used to describe elders and it's important that, that we keep these in the context of scripture to make sure that we understand exactly what our elders are to be from a scriptural standpoint from God's authority now behind nearly every successful congregation of the Lord's church stands a faithful group of men that we call elders now, there are congregations that serve in different ways and we have uh, addressed some of those. There are those that are scripturally organized. There are those that are unscripturally organized. There are those that are unscripturally unorganized. And there are those that are scripturally, I think I'd use scripturally organized. There are four of them. But it basically describes the, the different churches and the different way that, that they serve. We have those that, that have elders, but maybe they're not the elders that are qualified. Maybe you have a congregation that has no elders and, and they, they have no men that are qualified and so they do their best under the circumstances. 
Uh, you have congregations that, that do not seek to have elders because maybe some men have a deep control over the congregation. And that shouldn't be the case. And we have those that, that serve as elders that are supposed to be elders. The way that God wants the church to be. Those are the successful congregations. And that's not to say that, that a congregation that doesn't have elders is any less of a faithful congregation because of it. I, I'm not going to use any names, but I do have a friend. I don't think he would mind, but I'm not going to use names anyway. But there's a, a congregation that is close to us that, that recently had their eldership to disband. Uh, one of them left the congregation for different reasons, and, and, uh, and they're, they're struggling. Uh, they don't know exactly where they're going at this point. They, they are, are seeking new elders. Many congregations, we understand, are, are struggling in those positions, those type of situations. And it's of no fault of their own, necessarily. You have congregations that choose not to have elders, and that's a different matter entirely. But God's desire is for elders to lead the flock. And for the flock to be submissive to their leadership. In Acts 14, 23, it says, So when they had appointed elders in every church, that was an important thing, was the elders be in every congregation, if at all possible. Let's get into uh, the meat of our lesson. The need for elders in the church. And, and that last point kind of leads into what we're, we're going to talk about first. It, it was important to the writing of Acts that mention be made of an eldership being established in every church. Turn with me to Acts 14 and let's look at verses 21 through 28. Acts 14 and starting with verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after that had passed through Pisidia, then came to Pamphylia, now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now when they had, gone, had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Now notice here the mention of an eldership being established in every church. Earlier in the chapter, the, the they, I believe, that is mentioned here, the apostles, Barnabas, and Paul, it says when they had established this leadership, they prayed, they fasted, and they commended them to the Lord. 
It's an important thing to establish elders in every church. And it should be done with great prayer. And even fasting. Meditating on what God's will is. Making sure that we're following it. We understand also that Paul instructed Titus to establish elders. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Now notice the wording here. Set in order the things that are lacking. The church there was lacking elders. That was something that they were struggling through. And so they needed elders. And so he gives that command to Titus to, to help them establish an eldership. Now we're not told how exactly they went about establishing an eldership. As far as I know in scripture, there's not a, a set way that is said that this is exactly how you establish an eldership in a congregation. So we may not know exactly how it was done, but I do imagine that they helped the congregation to decide on the men that were qualified to serve. They taught them who would be right for the job. And they helped them to establish the elderships that they needed. Elders are important to the work of the church. I've heard it said that without elders, a congregation has no direction. And from a personal standpoint, from someone who has been blessed to serve under an eldership most of his life, to also being someone who has served in congregations without elders, I see some problems that, that happen when congregations aren't able to have an eldership. They're, they're looking for that leadership, that they're lacking in that. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had some interesting discussions in our classes in the school of preaching over this last week. We, we spent a whole hour uh, away from what we were supposed to be studying to discuss different problems in the church and, and how they should be handled. And, and I know that, that one of the gentlemen there uh, was talking about some of the problems that the congregation that he was worshiping with was struggling with. Some things that they worried about. Well, what if we have to deal with this? How, how do we handle it? What if we have to practice church discipline? How, how do you handle that without an eldership? Elders are very important in that regard. And in a congregation that doesn't have elders, I believe that to be true. That they are in some ways without direction. Elders have certain duties that they meet within the congregation. They have to be aware of wolves and false teachers. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a moment as well. But it's hard to continue the work of the church the way that God wants it. The way that God desires it if we don't have an established leadership to help us with that. We also understand from a, a scriptural standpoint the requirements and responsibilities of elders. They do have certain requirements that they are to meet and they have certain responsibilities that they are to fulfill. Uh, let's look for a moment at the qualifications. It's important that we understand the qualifications that are laid out for elders. 1 Timothy chapter 3 is, is one of the most common places that we look to 
to understand the role of an elder. Verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, This is a faithful saying, If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy, greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Verse 6, not a novice. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. These same qualifications are listed in Titus 1, and beginning with verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Notice what it says here as far as these qualifications. And, and both lists include basically the same things. Blameless. Not accused of dissipation or insubordination. And he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. Now does that mean that an elder is to be without fault? You know, we understand also from Scripture that all have sinned. And so when it comes to elders, it's important that we understand that we're not looking for perfect men. I've actually heard of times in congregations where the elders maybe collectively or maybe just one of them realizes that there's something in his right that isn't, life that isn't right. Something that he needs to repent of. And so maybe he comes forward and, uh, and rededicates his life to Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. Does that make him unqualified to serve as an elder? No, it doesn't. Our elders, we're not to look at them in such a way as to put them in a position where they, they can't meet those qualifications. They're not to be perfect men. But when it comes to being blameless, what is being said here is that they are to be without blame. If they are accused of something... Um, if they are accused of, of some great sin, they're not to be guilty of that sin. Now, maybe they need to repent of that sin. But being blameless does not mean that they are to be without fault. It just means that if they are accused, they're not to be guilty of something. And that's something for, for each congregation to, to deal with individually. 
He must have a good testimony uh, outside of the church in his business dealings and in things of that nature. Whenever he deals with the world, he's to have a good reputation among them. That is important to the eldership. He is to be the husband of one wife. And he is to have faithful children in submission. He is to be one who rules his own house well. Now, granted that children grow up, they become adults, they make their own decisions, and it's an elder to be held accountable for children that leave the church later in life as they leave home. Again, that's something for each congregation to deal with as an individual matter. But he is to be the husband of one wife. And he is to be able to rule his own house. He is to have ruled his own house well. And then he qualifies to be an elder. He is not given to wine, not violent, not greedy or covetous, not self-willed, not quick-tempered or quarrelsome, and not a prideful novice. Uh, those are things that, that should not be in, in any leadership to, uh, for any reason. They should be gentle, hospitable, temperate, sober-minded, good of good behavior, a, a lover of good, just, righteous, holy, self-controlled. These things edify the church. They help to build up the church. They, they serve well in leadership roles. He is to be able to teach. One who is an elder should be able to teach. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. He is to be able by sound doctrine both to exhort, to build up a congregation, to encourage them, and to convict those who contradict the truth. Now, one who does not meet the qualifications set forth in God's Word is not qualified to serve as an elder. He must meet the qualifications that are given. And unfortunately, I don't have time to go through these individually. But we understand that each of these qualifications is important. And it's important that a gentleman who serves as an elder meet these qualifications. We see that many problems arise in congregations that are led by those who are unqualified. Elders have a great responsibility to the church. They are to serve under the authority of the head of the church, Jesus Christ. The head is not the preacher, pastor, reverend, whatever you call him, it, the head of the church is not the elders. The head of the church is still Jesus Christ. Even though he's not physically present with us, he is present with us in spirit. And he is the head of the church. We are guided by his word. We are guided by the, the, the Bible, the scriptures. As deacons are only submissive to the authority of the elders of their congregation, the elders must answer to the authority of God. They will be judged based on how 
they have served in that area. They must serve under the authority of God. Elders are required to lead, guard, and protect the flock from danger. I want to read Acts chapter 20 and verses 17 through 31. Acts 20 and verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 25 and indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, just a, kind of a side note. Notice that as we have gone through the study of elders, that every time that we see elders mentioned in the church, we see that they are a plurality of elders. There is not one chief elder. But they are multiple elders. And they serve together. And here Paul is encouraging them. He's exhorting them in Acts 20. And he tells them, first of all, take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Now, to our elders, they have a responsibility for themselves. And I don't think it should be missed that they are also to have a, a responsibility toward each other as well. You know, being an elder can be very discouraging at times. And, and they are to, to build one another up. They are to edify each other. They are to help each other to lead the congregation. It's important that they have that bond, that they have that relationship with one another. They should take heed to themselves as individuals. 
they should also take heed to themselves as elders together of a congregation. And it also says that they are to take heed to all the flock. All the flock. That doesn't mean necessarily just those that are in the church directory. But we often have people that, that come on a regular basis that for one reason or another decide not to, to, to formally place membership with the congregation. And that's part of the flock as well. And there are those that have left the church for one reason or another. another they're, they're part of the flock as well. And so when it talks about all the flock, it doesn't mean just those who attend every Sunday. But all the flock. They're to take heed to all the flock. When someone's missing, they need to notice. And they need to, to take care of that uh, as best they can. But they're to take heed to all the flock and make sure that all the flock is faithful. The Holy Spirit had made them overseers. They're to shepherd the church of God. And in shepherding, they must be aware of the wolves, the false teaching. Uh, those that would come in, those that look like sheep even. Uh, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 15? Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. And in 2 Peter 2 and verses 12 through 19, uh, Peter goes into great detail about false teachers. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. These are savage, brute beasts who disguise themselves as sheep and do all that they can to lead them astray. The responsibility of elders is to keep these from the church. Keep them from leading the children of God away. And the responsibility of the elders is to the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Isn't that sobering? The church that God purchased by shedding the blood, by allowing the shedding of the blood of His Son on the cross for our sins. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4, through 4, 
The elders are who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Elders are not to lead by compulsion or for dishonest gain. It's compared to the marriage relationship. The husband is not to, to lord it over his wife, so to speak. That she is to be submissive to him. He's supposed to lead in a way that she desires to be submissive to him. And the elders the same way. They're not to, to force their leadership on anyone but to lead in such a way that the congregation desires to serve under them. The flock has a responsibility to submit to the oversight of the elders unless they have reason not to. 1 Timothy 5 verses 19 and 20 Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses, those who are sending rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. If an accusation is brought against an elder, it needs to be done with witnesses. Someone who, who can corroborate what they have done. Otherwise, we're, we're to keep those things. And, and those are difficult matters. And they're to be faced individually. But there should be witnesses if an accusation is brought against an elder of wrongdoing. And it says elders are to shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Something that we find about the elders is they are not given authority to shepherd another congregation. Say there's a congregation close to us. There are many of them actually. But say there's a congregation that is close to us that, that their eldership dissolves. Uh, are Kirk and Hugh allowed to, to, to make decisions for them, for that congregation? Maybe in a temporary role, not even that. They are not allowed to make the decisions for the congregation. Now, they may be looked to for advice on how to handle a situation, but they do not have the authority to make decisions for another congregation, just the congregation that is among them. If a congregation is in another location, if they're not worshiping with the congregation, if they know nothing about its congregants, how can they make decisions for that congregation? We see different churches who, who establish congregations and they, they try to keep them under one uh, eldership. And, and the great problem that, that I've noticed with it, the way that, that I have recently seen it, if you were to have multiple congregations that are established in different places under one eldership, say that eldership isn't there. How do they know what decisions work best for each congregation? You know, each congregation has a personality. Each congregation has a, a, a different way that they may not necessarily be wrong, but they have a different way of serving. They have a different way of doing things. A program that works with one congregation is not necessarily going to work for another. How can elders rule over that? Uh, in trying to do that, they're spreading the responsibility 
too thin, in my opinion. But what is said here is that they need to, to rule over the church that is among them, the congregation that they are a part of. That's how they rule. And they are to rule autonomously. That They can't make decisions for another congregation. They do not have the authority from scriptures to do that. Again, they may help guide in the in making of a decision, but they cannot make the decision themselves. I, I hope, I, I know this lesson is a little longer than, than usual, and I appreciate your patience. I, I hope that it helps us to understand the role of elders and how important they are. And I'll echo the words of Joe this morning. Thank our elders. Tell them that you appreciate them. Ask them maybe how you can be of, of service to the congregation. Maybe some way that you can help them to make their job easier. I've heard of many people that are discouraged because they have uh, maybe a father or some other relative that has served as an elder. They see some of the problems they face and, and maybe they don't have that desire themselves because of it. And that's a sad thing because... Serving as an elder is not to be something of a drudgery. It's not to be something that is regretted. It's an honor to serve as an elder. 1 Timothy chapter 5, and verses 17 and 18. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially those who labor in the Word and the doctrine. For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. An elder who rules well, who serves well under the authority of the head of the church, prime, who makes good decisions, handles them in the right way, an elder who serves well is worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in word and doctrine. And it is a labor to make sure that, that we know what the word says. To make sure that we're abiding by the authority of the scriptures. It's important that we do that as a congregation. And our elders help, to do, help us to do that. Elders are responsible for the flock and will be judged on how they have ruled. And we're also told that those who do not rule well will answer for their sins before God. Elders are very important. And I'll tell you from a personal standpoint, in coming to this congregation, coming back to this congregation, a few years ago I had decided to, to leave to pursue a preaching position for another church. And, and that church was with that elders and that was something that, that we struggled through. And whenever the opportunity came to, to be able to come back here, I was thrilled to do so because I knew the elders. I, I loved the elders already. I had already spent uh, a few years here and a few years knowing them afterwards. I know them. I love them. I trust them. And it's a wonderful blessing for us to serve under their guidance. But it's also something that shouldn't be taken for granted. 
again, there are so many congregations that, that lack that eldership. And, and it's hard. It's hard to get by without one. So we're not to take for granted the fact that we do have elders. But let's use it to our advantage and, and use their leadership and their guidance to, to help us be the congregation that God wants us to be. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Or do you need to? Uh, maybe you've not been a faithful child of God. Maybe you need to obey. Maybe you need to repent. And rededicate your life to Him. But if you do have any need whatsoever, we always offer the, the Lord's invitation. So that if anyone is in need of responding, that, that we can help you, we can assist you, if you'll allow us to do that. We'll be glad to help you in any way that we can. If you'll come as we stand and as we sing.